Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to Stuff About Money They Did Not Teach You in School. I am Xavier Angel, Certified Financial Planner, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planner. And, and before we get started, um, you know, I, I think I need to reintroduce myself to uh, yeah, everyone. Yeah, you've been MIA. You've been missing. Yeah, I've, I've been out of the loop for the past two to three weeks. It's been mm. a long year for me. Um you know, I, I've been over the last eight to nine months working on the house from our Hurricane Ida damages, which could be one year soon. Huh? Yeah, almost one year. So, um, in addition to that, and um, dealing with the contractors and, and summer with my 11 year old being home, um, I'm finally back. Today was her first day of school. So, I hardly recognize you, man. I saw, I saw your wife post this morning pictures of your daughter and your 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 giant 80 pound or 150 pound dog with the uh, first day of school clothes on and I was waiting I was actually waiting for her to post your picture you know first day back at work picture I, but I don't know who was more <laughs> excited to be back at that at school this morning was it Grace or was it me I, I walked her to uh walked her to class got back in the car and it felt like an elephant had been lifted off my shoulders I was excited to be coming into the office so I'm glad to come back Eric, it's good got, to see you. Xavier. It's yeah. good to see you, man. It's good it's, to see you. Welcome back, brother. Great to be seen and great to be with you. Hey, we've got a special guest today. You want to go ahead and introduce our guest today, Eric? Special. Bradley is special. It's a buddy of mine, Bradley Flowers. Let me tell you a quick story about Bradley Flowers before I before I introduce him. Um, so Bradley has been podcasting for Bradley. How long have you been podcasting? You're like one of the OG uh, podcasts. 2017. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, just, but I had a, a radio. Bit. I had a radio show in high school that I did. Did you know that? No, dude. Yeah, so you've been at high this, school today, huh? You've been at this longer than Joe Rogan. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I have okay. a lot less money than he does. That's all right. Speaking of money, stuff about money. Stuff about money. You go. Hey, I'll you, tell man. you something funny, Xavier. Not to like grab this conversation, but on the the kids going back to school thing, I'll tell you who's more excited. You're more excited. Yeah, oh, so, I'm loving it. Uh, my brother-in-law has a professional. My Louisiana people appreciate this. My brother-in-law has a professional cornhole set up at his house. It's very nice. And about every other Sunday, there's about 20 or so guys out there throwing cornhole and the ladies are doing their stuff by the pool. And simultaneously, all at once on Sunday, school started Monday here, on Sunday afternoon, everybody's phone went off and it was the school reminding them that uh, that school started and the dads all at once collectively started laughing and said, Oh, we're not going to forget. We'll be early. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's a great feeling. Well, before you tell us a little bit about yourself, where are you from? 
I'm originally from Atmore, Alabama, which is about an hour outside of Mobile. And I currently live in Saraland, which is a suburb of Mobile. Okay. So you're right around the corner from us. Right around the corner. I was there two weeks ago. I had coffee with my buddy, Eric. Okay. You, you were here. What side of the tunnel do you live on, Bradley? Because that's like, that's the difference between like three hours of travel time. Pretty much. Yeah. So my office is on the uh, downtown side of the tunnel and I live on the other side of the tunnel, but I don't have to go through the tunnel to get home. Fortunately, oh, man, that's miserable. So what I was going to say before Bradley took over. Sorry. Host, no, that's okay. That's that's it's hard. You know, once you're a podcast host, you're kind of always it's hard to be a guest. I get it. I feel like Xavier would have really appreciated that story. Though, so. yeah, I, I did. <laughs> that was a good story, man. In fact, Bradley posted his first day back at work post uh, post a few days ago. And that god awful shirt that you wear with uh, the name of all the hurricanes <laughs> that hit. I think I was wearing that the day we went to coffee. You did. Do you have, how many of how many shirts like that do you have? Well, that's the only one of that one I have, but uh, that's a local company. They make Mobile Southeast themed, gotcha. Gulf Coast themed shirts. And that's, that's one of like, my favorite shirts because it makes me look skinny. So I wear it anytime I'm going to like take pictures. Um, it was why. risky wearing it to New Orleans. I'll be honest, was, about halfway man. there, I was like, I didn't really think this shirt through. I felt triggered. It's, it's So the shirt says uh, Camille, Frederick. Frederick must have been y'all storm. Danny, Ivan, yeah. and Katrina. Yeah. This this old lady at uh, Publix gave me a... There's this lady that works at Publix that's like not very nice. And she was checking me out the other day. And she said, you aren't even alive when Camille hit. And I'm like, there's so many good things I could say in response. But I was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So... Towards towards the end of last year, when I was looking at launching a new podcast, I know I knew I wanted to do something specifically about money, but I couldn't think of a good name. So I was, I think you and I were messaging Bradley, and I'm like, oh man, like I need a need a good name for for a podcast. And and Bradley, I'm going to give you credit where credits due. You're the one who said just call it stuff about money. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. So I forgot so, about that. Uh, yeah, no, you you did that, man. So um, I'll give you 10 percent of every sponsorship dollar that we make from this uh, podcast episode. Which what do is, people call my people? Yeah, which is zero. So um, Bradley, you and I know each other through, well, we both we both have um, investments in insurance agencies, different ones. You, you're an owner over there in Mobile. You know, I have a, a ownership interest in an insurance agency here, but that's not exactly how we connected. We first connected through podcasting. Uh, we're, yep. we're part of a little, little um, group of podcasters pretty much in the insurance space. I might be, I might be the oddball out because my audience is not insurance people, but that's how we connected. And we became fast friends because uh, we, we just have a lot, a lot in common. So glad to have you on the show, man. Absolutely. I'm Anything we need to know here. about you before we kind of, yeah, I would say you're before I would introduce you as an insurance agency owner, I would probably introduce you as an entrepreneur. Because yeah, you get your I'm careful to say that publicly because I don't want people to take it as like, oh, well, I shouldn't do business with him. Like we have a very well-run insurance agency, but I'm a business slash marketing guy who one of my businesses that happens to be my main business is an insurance agency. And that's the insurance agency world, insurance world is the vertical that I play in. And the reason we became friends is because it's not often, I talk about insurance land, which is everything I do in the industry. It's not often I get somebody in insurance land that's this close to me. And it's good because we deal with a lot of the same things. And, you know, you're talking to somebody in Ohio, they have no idea what you're dealing with. Zero now, now, idea. For clarification, you know, 
that other business that you have, that entrepreneurship that you have, it, it, it is something that that runs side by side with the insurance business, though. Is that absolutely that, that's an accurate statement, correct? Every everything that I do, and I only have like three businesses that I that I run, um, everything runs parallel to the other ones. And and that's a mistake, I think, because like it, us, you know, entrepreneurs, I mean, you get ideas, you know, every 30 seconds. And sometimes I think people go not to get too geometrical, but I think sometimes people go too perpendicular to what they're currently doing. And I think that especially your first three or four businesses are, are prod, I call them projects. They have to run parallel to each other. In other words, they have to be somewhat related. Otherwise you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm running a dog racing track and I'm also giving financial advice and I have a lawn care business. They're too different. I feel like you have to start they're very close to each other. And then as you get more successful, you can kind of venture outside and, Hey, let's do something out of left field. You know what I mean? It's interesting. It's interesting. You say that because I was telling Xavier this morning, because you and I, we talked about this years ago, this idea about like side hustles that too many entrepreneurs start these side hustles that are, they're nowhere, nowhere near adjacent to their Mm -hmm. main business. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a problem because you can't serve two masters. When I first started the the insurance agency back in my family's got a long history in the insurance agency. But when I, when I jumped back into the insurance space in 2010, um, after being out of it for a while, the financial planning and the financial, the investment and the insurance business were able to run side by side, partially mm-hmm. because it was, it was size. And well, then what, what eventually happened, sorry, no, it's just, what eventually happened is they both became so, so separate from each other. They became, they became perpendicular to where now I'm, you know, outside of the strategy, and divisioning um, and, and some management of the insurance side, I'll leave all that to, to my business partner and the staff to operate. Well, and what happens too is from a client perception standpoint, you know, if I'm an insurance agent and I'm also selling it works, which is like the cheesiest of cheesy MLM, right? I, the client that the perception of that to the client is not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, to me, it's, it's either A, well, I don't want to work with this person because they're busy doing this other thing, or B, maybe they're not as successful as I thought because they're having to do this other thing versus mm-hmm. when they run parallel to each other, you get into a situation where, you know, I do my, my main second business is the Insurance Guys podcast, which is a business now it almost has the opposite effect where people are like, Hey, I want to do business with the guy who's teaching other insurance agents things. Why do I want to deal with these people? And I can just go to this person. And that happens yeah. a lot. So I think that's, I mean, in you know, well, every situation is pers- different, but I think that can happen. Right. And, and from someone on the outside looking in, you become more of, of an authority in that because you've got those two parallel businesses running side by side you know what you're talking about because you're training these guys, you're doing the marketing with these guys. Um, and, and, and so that's what Eric and I were talking about, you know, that side hustle, you know, mm-hmm. when you have that as a business owner, um, mm-hmm. when you had that side hustle, make those parallel, run them side by side, something, you know, you can't have, like you said, the lawn care company over here and a financial planner over here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the podcast isn't, we don't monetize the podcast, but I'm going to tell you, it's, it's like a, it's like a part-time job. I mean, there's, there's oh a lot of work. People have no idea, man. <laughs> it goes a lot too, but like to your point, like this is, this is 
this is 100% adjacent to financial yeah. planning and giving financial advice. And, um, you know, there's there, we, we, one of the things that sets us apart as a firm is we, we really emphasize education. And, and I, I believe that if people are more empowered and more knowledgeable about money mm-hmm. and different things about money, stuff about money, then they're going to make better financial decisions, which is going to set them up better for long-term success than, I don't know, picking well, the right mutual fund. And what happens too, like you would be shot and, and you, you, you deal with it. You hear about it less now than when I first started doing social media a few years ago. But what happens is you get these people that are like, why do I want to do this podcast or do social media where I'm giving all my air quote secrets away because then people are going to pay for them. And that's such a scarcity mindset that what happens when you do that is if somebody, you know, financial advising to me is all about trust. That's like right. the, the number one thing I have to have with you as a financial advisor is about trust. And what happens is by you giving all of this advice out for free to the world and you don't even, not only are you like not charging for it, you don't even know who's listening to it. Right. Right. It makes mm-hmm. people trust you more because if this guy's willing to do this, I can trust this guy. And then also, hey, if he put, if he's putting this stuff out, what does he know that he's not putting out? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just there's a there's a whole lot of elevation that goes on by doing something like this, right? Yeah, so, just authority and, and, and credibility, right? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So Bradley, let me ask you a question that we ask all of our guests um, once they come on. What is one thing about money that you wish you would have known twenty years ago? Oh, this will be good. Probably. Uh, so I took an accounting class in college, in community college, and I absolutely hated it. I was a college golfer. I majored in eligibility. Whatever got me eligible to play golf is what the classes I took. And I took an accounting class. And I remember the term, these terms, ledger and bank and P&L and balance sheet. is like, this is the most boring thing in the world. And, and didn't really learn budgeting, even not just from a business sense, even a personal sense. And, um, and now that I'm in the uh, business owner, those terms are sexy to me. I love, I mean, Eric, you know, this about me, I run my P and L every single day. I want to know exactly where I am and just proper budgeting and that sort of thing. And my wife helped me a ton with it because she's, she's like a CFO mindset and very good with money. So just, just budgeting and things like that, not, not spending money until you have a little bit left over. No, we need to save this amount. And then we have our spending money, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So like being intentional with your cash being intentional. Flow. Correct. Correct. That's the big thing is, is just people just lack intention with, um, with their money. So two, two things on what you just said. Number one, I didn't know, I didn't know you actually played. Do you play golf? Is Junior it, college. would you say you played golf in college or you competed golf? Is golf um, something you compete at or play? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was on the golf yeah. team in college. Just, I played uh, the same. So I played junior college um, only because I didn't, I didn't take the ACT. I was a C student. Uh, my grades weren't good enough to go D1. I probably could have played D1 at like a lower tier college, but I played junior college, um, Faulkner State Community College, which is actually the same junior college that Bubba Watson, who's now on the PGA Tour, live tour now, I guess, uh, played at. We had the same coach. Actually, you did. You did say you did say that the other day. You had the same uh, coach as Bubba Watson. We had the same coach, so that was kind of kind of neat. Um, yeah, so I did that for like a year and a half, two years, and uh, 
And I got actually got better after I left junior college and started playing just like amateur stuff. And I played one pro tournament and I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. So I play now, but only on the Oculus. I was about to say something most people won't know is that Bradley is like, you're like number one, right? In, in like Oculus golf land. No, I'm 41st. Uh, I'm, 41st. I dropped. I got up to number two, but the difference okay. between number two and number three was like less than one point handicap. And the difference between me and the number one guy was like six points. And so it was like, I would literally have had to, it would not be a good money decision to like, cause I would have to quit my job and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I'm not worried about this. That's too perpendicular to everything else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Unless I could start streaming. So I had these two young guys in the office when I first started doing that, like you need to stream it and you can make money. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't care. It's just, it was a fun thing that I do and I'm super competitive and, uh, and you know it's how many uh, people hold on, hold on i don't i don't have an oculus so i'm i'm, I'm speaking ignorantly mm-hmm. here so like how many people play oculus golf you're 41st out of how many i was like two million on there and this is like worldwide yeah you're 41st out of two million mm-hmm. yeah this is a business opportunity so here's the, well here's the thing is like it uh there's a lot of non-golfers on there so mm-hmm. if you know how to actually, so a big part of golf is knowing how to score. So a lot of people can hit the ball pretty good, but they don't know how to actually get it in the hole and make a score. Which is and the point of golf. Putting and chipping and that sort of, yeah. So if you, and that was the part of my actual game that was good back when I played. And so if you actually have a little bit of golf know-how, you, you're, you're, you're already significantly better than most of the people on there. Cause a lot of people on there have never played and they don't, you know, like I had this one gal in there, he was like making fun of me because I was curving the ball. And, and I'm like, well, you don't understand. Like if you've got a pin that's back left and you curve it from right to left, it's easier because you have more green to work. There's stuff like that. that a so lot of people so what, you're, what you're telling us is that we shouldn't be that impressed with you being second or 41st. No, not, I'm, no not at That's all. That's not very impressive. Not at all. It's not, not as impressive all. as your background. If you're not watching this podcast, you need to go on YouTube and check out Bradley's background because it is far more impressive than him being 41st in Oculus Golf. Back to budget. about that. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool, dude. So budgeting, here's something interesting about budgeting. Budgeting is something it's kind of, I'm going to say throwaway in that everyone knows they need it. No one really wants to talk about it. No one really wants to do it. And people think that if you have money that you really don't need to budget anymore. The more and more I do this financial planning thing, the more people I talk to, it's interesting to me that the people who have the most money are the ones who value their budget the most. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Because, I mean, I look at it like, man, uh, when I was a captive agent, I was making more money than I am now as far as take-home goes. Um, so because for, our listeners, for our listeners, real quick, a sorry, captive agent sorry. is someone who represents just like one company. Yeah, like, so I work like for a corporation. Stick. Yeah. I work for a corporation now. I own my own business. And, of course, with owning your own, I mean, I'm reinvesting. I probably could pay myself, but I don't. Um, well, you've got I, the salaries I, and everything else that yeah, comes along with yeah. it. So. so my take home was more, but I feel like I do better now as far as like what's left over and that sort of thing. Because when you, know, when you start a business, man, and I started this business with no money, no investors, no, you know, other than my wife. And when you have to watch every dollar or you're mm-hmm. going to, you got three people out there that had two employees day one that I was responsible for. And so you know, 
when you have to watch every dollar like that, you get a lot better at it than if you're just willy nilly. You know what I mean? You're just and, out there spending money to be spending. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like the other day I was thinking about there was something I wanted to buy. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is, but it was something I wanted to purchase back in in those days. And I didn't do it because I was like, eh, it cost too much. And it was only $500. And I'm, and, and I'm like, dude, why couldn't I afford that back then? It was because I was it's like, or it wasn't someone, it was an investment I wanted to make. And I was like, I didn't, you know, didn't, didn't have the money to do it because I was spending like crazy. So. Yeah. Certain businesses grind, man. You said you had two employees you're responsible for. The first thing I thought of was like, sounds like kids. <laughs> I got three kids I'm responsible for. I can't go spend 500 bucks on something that I want right now. Kids, it's, marriages. So Bradley, Eric, yeah. what, what would you guys, for a couple who's getting married, what would you guys tell them about budgeting? What is the most important thing when it comes to budgeting for newlyweds? Because this mm. is a question that I've been getting a lot lately. I'm going to give my answer first because I know Eric's is going to be better. Okay. I'm a strong, strong proponent of joint checking accounts. However, I know a lot of financial advisors disagree with that. However, that's not my answer, but at least doing your planning of your finances together, treat it like one thing, not separate things. That would be my biggest advice. Uh, me and my wife did that and we did the joint checking account thing. And I had no, I'm not gonna say I was against it, but I had no opinion on it. And mm. I think we have a much stronger marriage today because we did that. And she can control, help me control my spending. <laughs> we have what we call the Bradley alert on our credit card. Every time more than $50 is spent, it notifies her. Like, what'd you buy on Amazon for 64 bucks? You can buy a lot at $45 yeah. and never get alerted. And then wake up <laughs> at the end of the month, have a really big credit card. I bought her. So I buy these hats that I wear from a company called Holtz Leather. And they're, they're based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And, uh, I bought her a custom cutting board, you know, those that the ladies like to do their charcuterie and stuff on with our name on it. And the day we got married uh, for Mother's Day last year. And uh, she texted me and she's like, why are you ordering your hats on our personal credit card? I was like, it's a Mother's Day present. She's like, oh, carry on. Get some fancy, some some charcuterie. Y'all getting fancy in uh, in Sarah Land, huh? We love it. I love to do charcuterie, finger food, heavy hors d'oeuvres. That's my food, brother. I will Is eat that. that. Yeah, I will blow That's a calorie a, a diet, calorie counting diet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you guys back in. Uh, Sorry, a quick second. No, okay, no. Yeah. Hey, right. You guys are look podcasters. You you got this. Do so, you have to answer. Am I supposed to answer a question? What was not, the question? Not, not yet, because I I, I want to go back to something that uh, Bradley had had said. Um, that joint account builds that relationship, um, and and I've seen that in a lot of cu uh, couples to where when they don't have those joint accounts, you know that's where a lot of arguments come from because people just don't know what's being spent, where money's going what's coming out. So I, I do think that that is a great idea um, to have that joint account. Uh, well, the so, number one cause of divorce in America is financial arguments. Right. Absolutely. So you can go ahead and plant some sort of seed in the beginning to potentially prevent that. Why wouldn't you? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we, I've actually talked about this a lot in the, in the, in the uh, last show podcast show building us that I did with um, Dr. Matt Moore as the couples counselor and, and um, he would say that money is not necessarily the leading cause of divorce. What he would say is money is the fuel mm. to the to the other arguments that lead to divorce. 
and, and money's kind of that ever present, um, that ever present thing that's always running in the background. We can never get away from it. Never get away from it. It impacts just about everything. Uh, I would actually say this, Matt and I actually did a podcast specifically on checking accounts and should, should you, or should you not join checking accounts? And I was a hundred percent in the past, an advocate for having joint checking accounts. I'm not, I'm not so passionate about it, but to your point, I think the most important thing is transparency. Mm-hmm. You can have separate. In fact, I, I don't, I, I don't have a problem having two separate accounts because sometimes, you know, you might want to surprise your wife with the yeah. charcuterie board and you don't want her to know about it. Um, so one of the things Matt and I talked about kind of the consensus was you don't have to have a joint account necessarily, but you have to be rowing in the same direction. I agree. It's like Bradley, if you and I decide to start a, a new business together and we each bring 20, let's say we each bring $50,000 to the table and we have our first business meeting and it goes something like this. All right, I got 50,000, you got 50,000. Go ahead and put together your marketing plan. I'll put together my marketing plan and just we'll just start spending. Mm-hmm. That, that would Most people would say that is the stupidest approach to starting a business. You got to pull your money together because you're working towards a common goal. Right. It's kind of like, sorry. No, I was going to say, but yet, that's how people treat marriage. My account, your account, I have an income, you have an income, you spend, I spend, and then then we'll figure out where we're headed after that. It's right. kind of like, you know, I saw a meme the other day that's so true. And it said, when I was a kid and I watched Mrs. Doubtfire, I used to think that Sally Field was such a terrible mother for not letting Robin Williams host that birthday party. And now I realize what a screw up Robin Williams was for hosting that party and how wrong it was. So much money. And so much money and the parenting aspect of it. Like the kid yeah. didn't deserve to have a birthday party. Right. And yeah. He has a freaking we can't. Throw, you know, throw down birthday party with horses in the house. Yeah. You can't, you can't encourage poor behavior. Exactly. Spend that kind of money on a, on a birthday party. And, and I want um, to clarify, like I'm no financial whiz by any means whatsoever. My wife is, I'm an infant compared to her financial knowledge. Like she's the, the fuel behind that, but I just go along. So here, here's what I'll say. You say you're not a whiz, but you run your, your PL, your profit and loss statement for your business regularly. So number one, pillar of financial security is know where your money is mm-hmm. and where it's going. So your PL is purely where's my money going? Mm-hmm. Money coming in and money coming out. So you keep tabs of where your money's going and where it is. Number the, the second pillar of financial security is plan where you want your money to go. You budget, you talk about being intentional about where you're spending your money. Third pillar is squash debt. I'm going to imagine the fact that you said you started your business without any other money, just kind of you and being responsible for two people. You didn't go out and borrow a bunch of money to start your business. Mm-mm. Number four, save for tomorrow. Uh, you know, we, we haven't talked about saving, but that's that's you know putting money away for whether it's retirement or for another investment in the future. And then number five, number five is give to others. So like those are the five pillars of financial security. So you might not be a financial whiz, but you're doing you're doing a lot of pretty good stuff right now. I'll add something to that that I'm not scared to do that I think a lot of business owners are is hiring out, outsourcing and delegating when it's called for. So I just hired a uh, a fractional CFO because I recognize that there's things about this that I don't know and it would be better to have that other set of eyes and I get I get really emotional when it comes to spending money. Like even if something makes total sense, let's say I'm 
making a big purchase for the for my business, right? Or even personally, um, something makes total financial sense. I've got the money. It's not going to hurt me to buy whatever. I still get a little bit emotional about it, and not 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 visibly emotional, but I still get mm-hmm. emotional about it. Right. I still have that gut, you know, that feeling you get when the money leaves your account, you know. And so one of the reasons I hired the CFO was because she knows my finances inside and out, has helped me reclassify some things to help get my EBIT up and all that kind of stuff. And I can say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And she, number one, doesn't tell me what I want to hear. But number two says, yes or no, you can do that. Or, hey, if you get rid of this thing, you know what I mean? So yeah, having right. that expert. And then also I run my PL every day. I love doing it. I actually just outsourced that to my bookkeeper where she's running it and sending it to me. And I'm still helping out some because I recognize that, hey, I'm spending, I think one thing business owners and people in general struggle is they get too wrapped up in the things they like to do. And that prevents them from being productive. You know, it's not productive for me to sit there for an hour and go through my PL. There's other things I can do to help advance right. the, the business forward. So being able to delegate and know when it's know when it's okay to bring experts in. And, and that's that's the same as far as you know, looking at budgeting and, and personal financial planning, you know, delegate mm-hmm. that. Go out there and, and and find that advisor, that that certified financial planner that's going to help you and help you to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. That that's great. So one other well, question. Well, before, 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 right. you, before you before you move off that, let me let me say one thing. Let me okay. say one thing I, got, I think this is really really important um, that about you hiring a fractional CFO. You, you're you're probably I would say more business savvy than the average person out there. You're you're paying somebody to do a job that you probably have sufficient knowledge and competency to do. But yet you still pay someone to do it because you value that expertise and you recognize that, hey, I'm going to pay money for something that I could probably do myself, but it's going to actually advance me. It's, it's like the people who pay for a housekeeper or pay to cut yeah. or, or, or have their grass cut. Like you could do that on your own. Why do you do that? Because I find my time more valuable. Mm-hmm. And this one other thing before I make my point, you, you value the, the thought partnership. Mm-hmm. of your fractional CFO. Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And I have a conversation oftentimes with, with clients and prospects. I'm like, well, what does a certified financial planner do? We, we talk about all the benefits that we do. And I said, what are the hidden values that I bring to the table, particularly for business owner clients is thought partnership. I'm like, what do you mean by that? The amount of conversations that I have with people to think through financial decisions that have pretty big financial consequences you can't you can't put a dollar amount on that and you and you can't you can't like mm-hmm. um put you can't put you can't wrap that conversation up and say this is this is what I do it's the conversation about should I you know start this business or not start that business or should I spend money should I spend money on 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 this expenditure or that expenditure and just kind of thinking through and then you even coming up to the conclusion without you, you know your fractional CFO having mm-hmm. to tell you what to do because mm-hmm. you thought through that process. And that's a huge, I would say that's a secret value. We talked about earlier about podcasting and giving away ideas. Yeah, we talk about someone could listen to my podcast and probably manage their finances okay. Um, but the stuff that you can't get is mm-hmm. that that thought partnership stuff that is so personal 
to mm-hmm. you because finances are personal. And I just, I just want to, I just want to stop on that and, and focus on that and say, man, congratulations to you for saying, you know what, I'm going to pay people to do things that I'm competent of doing, but I recognize that they're adding value to, to the overall endeavor. Well, I'll tell you too, the best advice is from people who are unbiased to your situation and aren't emotionally connected to it. If you can get some sort of advisor in any facet of your life or business that they know your situation, but are not emotionally or physically vested, that's the best advice you can get. That's the advice you need, in my opinion. So for me to have a CFO that knows my finances, but is not necessarily biased or emotionally invested, because when you get emotions involved and money involved in things, views get clouded. Yep. whether intentionally or not intentionally. And that's to me, good. that's the benefit of, of having, you know, somebody like you guys is you, you I know you're going to shoot it straight to me. Right. You know, yeah. I know my CFO is going to tell like we recently, we made a hire that was uh, a good hire, a very good strategic hire. And we didn't have room in the payroll. And I, I asked like three business owners, every one of them said, yes, always make the hire. If, even if there's not room to payroll, we had money in the bank, but wasn't, there wasn't room in what we had budgeted towards payroll. So I sit down with the CFO and she's like, well, and I knew as soon as she started pushing back a little bit, I was like, she's the right one because I had other people who told me I want to hear. And then we ended up at the conclusion of, Hey, yes, we're still going to make this hire. Yeah. But it was like, let's look at this from a financial sense, not from a emotional sense. Intentionality. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Intentionality. Decisions should be made with intention and with thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Bradley, right, Xavier, I, I, Xavier I, carry on. I, I'm a carry on, and, and uh, one of our there's so many different things that that we could ask. So many, you know, questions that we have for you. Um, but in wrapping up, I've, I've got one more thing for you. Sure. Eric and I now are working with a lot of millennials. Um, in addition to being in the South, everyone now is shopping insurances and trying to figure out. What's the best route to go? Who should I go with? You know, in your opinion, what should someone be looking for when they're out there looking for insurance, whether it's auto insurance or homeowner insurance or business insurance? What are some of the qualities that they should be looking for? Are you talking about like qualities of, a, of like a, a, an agent, Xavier, or like qualities or characteristics of like coverage? Um, in an agent, because I think, you know, I can go to Bradley. And Bradley's going to pretty much have the same stuff that Eric is going to have and that Tom is going to have. And, and, you know, so, you know, what should I be looking at when I'm going and sit down with an agent? So, so largely insurance is a commodity. Okay. Now us that are in the business, we know that there's vast differences in coverages and policies and carriers and that sort of thing. But as far as the general public is concerned, insurance is a commodity. I would look for, if you're a business owner, I would look for an agency that has a niche in whatever business you're in. If you're a real estate investor, our agency is going to be pretty good for you. If you are a a professional unicyclist, we're probably not going to be the fit for you, right? If you're uh, lawn care, we don't like lawn care. We're not going to be, find someone who has, who specialize, you know, if you're if your meniscus is torn, you're going to go to an orthopedic who specializes in that area of the body, right? Um, that analogy may not have been exactly right, but you're going to go to a specialist. So find somebody that specializes in that. 
from the personal standpoint, find someone who has the things that you want. If you are the type of agent or the type of client who likes your agent to see you in person and you go to their office and you sit down and that's what you need to get to gain the trust, find someone who's willing to do that, who, who has an agency set up like that. If you want things quick and over the phone, find someone who appeals that. If you want someone that you're going to be able to get in touch with someone 24 hours a day, no matter what's going on, there's agencies that fit that. The one piece of advice I would give you is be very, very, very careful when it comes to buying insurance online and doing it yourself. Um, and that's not me being the insurance agent who demonizes direct to consumer like a lot of us do. I have products that I sell direct to consumer online through my agency. But if somebody needs something, there's an expert on the other end of that that can answer the question. So that's, that would be my advice. Find someone who fits what you are looking for. We, we write a lot of millennials in this agency and sometimes they'll leave us and then they'll come back because they'll say, we, we, we rely heavily on text message. We do a lot of communication through text messages. Uh, my office phone rings exceptionally, exponentially lower than a lot of agencies our size. And it's because we text and they'll come back and we ask them when they came back because I can just text you guys and you'll take care of it. That's what those people want, right? So just finding something that fits you is, is important. And then more specifically, if you are in an area like the Gulf Coast, Florida, the, the coastal Carolinas, California, Michigan, where there's just weird insurance stuff going on, whether it's catastrophic type stuff or that sort of thing, you need an area, an agent in that area. You're not going to be able to go to your agent in Nebraska and have them write an insurance policy on your beach house in Biloxi, Mississippi or, or Gulf Shores, Alabama. You're not going to be able to do it because they're going to write it incorrectly. It's probably not going to have wind coverage and that sort of thing. Just like I would not try to buy a policy or write a policy for someone in California. It's not going to be done correctly. You have to find someone who specializes in that area. So that would be the one caveat I would say to that. So I'm hearing you say that and, um, one of the things as I'm hearing you as, I, as I'm hearing you say that you should see your insurance provider or your insurance agent no different than any other advisor, right? Your, yeah. your CPA or your financial planner, interview people, find someone who who you can relate to, who you can trust, who you feel is mm-hmm. going to serve you. We're all going to be within 10% of each other price-wise, maybe even tighter than that. Like people go out and they get a quote from everybody under the sun. And I'm like, dude, we're going to be, it's all going to be, you need to find somebody who you like, who fits what you need, because the price is just the price is the price. It's going to be about the same, no matter what. And I think that's important in today's environment that we're in. Um, I don't do the, the insurance. Um, and, and when we talk insurance, I'm talking to property casualty, homeowners, business yeah. insurance, and what have you. That's not an area that, that, that I'm well-versed in, but I hear the stories. Mm-hmm. And I keep telling people, you've got to find an agent that you're comfortable with. Um, go out and shop it and find it. Not for price, but for an agent. You hey, want to say something, Eric? Look, look at mm-hmm. Google reviews. Google reviews. Yeah. Facebook reviews can lie. Google reviews never lie. Google reviews are strong, 100%. And yeah, I was going to say um, a couple of things. One is I want to buy property in Sarah Land just so I can hire Bradley as my insurance guy because I like him. Let's do it, uh, man. Let's do it. What are, property, what are property values like in Sarah Land? Uh, 
you know, you I used to know this. Cheaper than Gulf Shores for sure. Cheaper right? than Gulf Shores. Probably average home values probably 170 a square foot, something like that. That's about what they're going for. Um, I, bet you insur- I bet you the insurance is cheaper than it is in New Orleans. It's exponentially cheaper, <laughs> oh, but not by much. So, so pr- price wise, it's probably closer than you think, but there's more options. Mm-hmm. That's the okay. thing. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's like we had a, a a big a big prospect that we ended up closing big account. Especially if you if you're listening to this and you own a business and you pay a lot in insurance, a lot being you know, more than fifty thousand dollars a year, and you're of the mindset of hey, I'm going to shop my insurance every year. That is effectively accomplishing the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish because what happens, especially with these bigger policies, there's not that many carriers that are going to take your account. And what happens is the same two or three underwriters see your deal every single year. Well, guess what happens? The underwriter, a lot of times, gets a percentage of that commission. Okay. Well, what's going to happen is if the same two or three underwriters are seeing your account every single year, they know if they get it, they're only going to keep it one year. They're not going to work as hard Hmm. to get it. Therefore, they're going to say, we're going to make it worth our time if we get this. You're going to get yeah. a higher rate versus yeah. picking, picking a picking an agent or picking a carrier, sticking with that carrier two or three years, and then yeah. let's look at moving it. That's so that a whole back, lot better. We had a client. Who yeah, that goes a, back to your point about hiring the right insurance person, the person yeah. you can connect with we that you a, can we trust. A, yeah, a, we had a, an account that came to us that had been at three other agencies before us three years in a row, and I had that conversation with the owner. We wrote it. And the underwriter literally said, oh my God, nobody's ever renewed this account. It's good luck or whatever. We wrote it and it just renewed for the third time because we had that conversation and we got that client. And guess what? They're paying a lot less over time than what they would have paid. So finding that trusted advisor and just trust them, just go with it. If they screw up, leave, but don't leave just looking for a lower price because you're actually hurting yourself. And that's the case with personal insurance too. Because the more times you swap insurance, the worse your insurance score rating is, and you're going to pay more. Yeah. I want to make one comment on you, you made the, the comment about be careful to buy online. Mm-hmm. And just kind of why you said that and why I would even say that is important. Because um, most consumers, particularly, let's say auto insurance, particularly in the auto insurance space, most, most consumers are incredibly price sensitive, which it makes sense, especially in New Orleans. I think we have the most expensive auto insurance rates in New Orleans. There's a reason for that. People like to sue. And yeah. our courts are very, very same, generous. Same with Michigan. Michigan similar. Yeah. And the courts are very, very generous to, um, uh, to people when they sue their insurance companies. Um, they're not friendly to, to insurance carriers. So what happens is people get price sensitive and they want it, they want a lower price and they go online and they find a lower price. And oftentimes what happens is they're sacrificing coverage and it's typically liability coverage. Mm-hmm. So liability is what's going to protect you if you get into a lawsuit. So if you accidentally, you know, check a text and you, you rear end somebody or your teenager starts driving and they're distracted, they get into an accident. Your liability is more important than your comprehensive and collision, the stuff that's going to replace your car. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much harder to, to have cash to pay a $250,000 lawsuit than it is to replace a $40,000 car. And not only that, if you hit somebody and kill them, don't you want their family to be taken care of? Right? Well, you just, you just 
took the, the, the breath out of this show, man. Sorry. I was gonna, yeah. Like, wow. But yeah. And, and another thing too. So, and I like, <laughs> I, I like next insurance. We write with next insurance. They're so some, online. That's an online. Direct. But I don't they, work through, they work through agents too. Yeah. Um, I like next insurance. There's some situations where next insurance really helps people out. But if your business is any kind of just barely complex at all, next insurance policies are riddled with exclusions. Now, mm. I do think the people behind next are really smart and they're actually working their way towards becoming their own, their own carrier versus they, next actually writes to someone else. If that mm. doesn't scare you a little bit. Um, their policies are riddled with exclusions. And I see there's these YouTube ads. Um, you, some of you guys have seen them with these contractors. It's like, I'm Kyle Stumpenhorse with da 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 da. What they've done is they've mm-hmm. taken these co- influencers in the contracting world and basically paid yeah. them to do endorsements. I'm Kyle Stumpenhorse and I insure my business with Next Insurance. And I laugh because I'm like, dude, you're, you have no idea how underinsured you are. Is he so, a real contractor, Kyle Stumpenhorse? Yeah, he is. They're all real. Um, and so, you buy these policies online because it's quick and easy, which is great. I think insurance is way too hard to buy. I like a lot of the things a lot of these companies are doing, but a lot of times you don't know what you're buying. You're insuring things incorrectly. Yeah. You, know, you, you do your home. It doesn't have wind, whatever. I'll shut up. I know you guys. No, no, no. I was going to say on that. That's the thing. Like insurance has this kind of like the stigma, like insurance agents, there's a stigma, like, you know, I don't, and we uh, probably deserve it. I had a mentor of mine in the financial space. And he, he always used to say, you know, I have two insurance agents, so I know which one's lying to me. And that was that was his his attitude. I'm like, they're not all lying to you. Maybe some are lying, but that's why I hire someone who you can trust and then trust them and then trust them. That's in any profession. Hire your plumber, right? I want to hire a plumber I can trust. Hire a financial planner you can trust. Hire someone you feel is going to have your best interest at heart and give you advice that makes the most sense to you. Even well, if that advice is, hey, Bradley, you know what? I think you should actually call that other agent down the street because they specialize in unicycle, mm-hmm. professional unicycle insurance. Mm-hmm. I saw a, a clip the other day. I've been on this uh, Ron White comedy binge lately. I'm, I love the comedian Ron White and he's about to retire and I actually missed him coming through. So that's part of why I've been on this binge, but he it was an old joke from like 20 years ago. And he's talking about he uh, somebody stole his radio out of his car and the insurance agent asked him, well, if you would tell us what kind of radio it is, we would know how much to write the check for. And he put something down and the guy said, I don't think Rolex makes a radio. And he said, I I took a puff of my cigarette and said, write the check premium boy. And he said, they hate it when you call them premium boy. And I was like, I'm going to start doing that premium boy. Oh man, that's great. Anyway, I know that's that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about, but that's okay. I had to get that off my chest. It was really bothering me. What does anybody have any anything else to say that is just like mic drop wisdom before we wrap up? I'll say I think you guys do a great job with the show, and then I'll shut up. You guys thank, do a good job. Thank you. We appreciate uh, it. Appreciate that, man. I got guys like you to follow, man. So uh, and, I will say I, this: I'm learning from the two of you guys because I'm still I'm still new at it. You got yeah, a voice for radio, though, man. You're. I just can't get him to show up, man. That's you got the, dude. You. I wish I had that voice, dude. Like you and like like James Jenkins and Scott, man. They have the they have the voice, man. Yeah, I don't have that, it, that, that, now you've got me um, lost for words. So, and by the way, when I say that voice for radio, that doesn't mean I don't think you're good looking. You're very handsome. Man, by the way. I I appreciate that one as well. You. So, as- yeah, if- Oh my gosh. So if y'all, if y'all are listening to this, I need you to go to the YouTube channel, watch the video 
And I want you to comment on who you think is better looking, Xavier <laughs> or Bradley. Eric's self-confidence needs a boost. Please yeah. vote. No, 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 no. Yeah. Keep me out of it. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I want, I want to know who y'all think is better looking, Bradley or, or Xavier. But, uh, man, Brad, thanks for taking um, a couple minutes this morning to hang out with us and to hang out with our listeners. Um, I'm going to go. I can't wait to go back and listen. I learned so much from our guests and the things that they've learned or they wish they would have known about money because it helps me give better advice to people. Absolutely. So it's, it's really, it's really great that you took time to do this, man. Best of luck to you with all of your endeavors. If y'all like what y'all listen to, follow us on your favorite uh, listening app. Y'all take care. Information presented and discussed on the stuff about money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.